Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life, a show that began as a journey through the difficulties and joys of living in a foreign place and has become a show about living, taking risks, moving, adapting. So welcome expats, former expats, future expats, travelers, and reinventors. Thanks for letting us keep you company. I'm your host, Katie Sewell. I'm a veteran public radio producer and writer who recently moved to San Francisco after living in New Orleans and Seattle and Rome. My co-host, Tiffany Parks, is a full-time writer and expat living in Rome, Italy. She's also my childhood friend. I've known her since the school bus in sixth grade. If you've never heard the show, don't be afraid to start at the beginning and come along for the whole journey, which begins in Rome. And without further ado, today's show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, uh, once again, we're going to do an episode based on one of your letters, which we love getting. People writing to bittersweetlife at mail.com. And we've gotten some pretty, pretty deep letters lately. Yeah, I was just going to say, one of the perks of this job is that people, they confide in us. They tell us about their lives and their questions and the things they're seeking. And we've, for the most part, been in their shoes, either myself or Katie, so we can relate to them. And we don't always have the answers, <laughs> in fact, far from it, but... But they definitely are thought-provoking, and um, and it's really it's really an honor to get to read these letters. Yeah, that's sort of what we're doing, too, on this show, is not necessarily having all the answers to the questions, but exploring the questions to try to figure out whatever all of our answers are for us personally. I've also, side note, been trying out some of the recipes people have been sending you because of your New Year's resolution. Yeah, we've had so many. Tonight, I'm trying out my third recipe. I've tried the Moroccan lentil soup that mm. someone sent in. I believe Kay sent that in. Last night, I made the cacho e pepe that mm. Nick recommended, which was amazing. The closest I've come to eating Roman-style cacho e pepe since I've been away. Ooh, i got to try that. I know. And uh, tonight, I'm making a fish stew. Wow. Yeah, it's a fish stew with coconut milk and lime and chilies and all sorts of stuff. These recipes were supposed to be for me, Katie. <laughs> I know, but how dare you steal my recipes? <laughs> well, feel free to join no, me. I'll, I'm just, I'm just lazy. I'll do the uh, early reviews. I'm going to, I'm going to, but I have to tell you because we've gotten a lot of recipes, and uh, I, I'm going to write back to all of you. I haven't written back to every single one of you yet, but I do have to admit that when I see like more than six ingredients, my eyes kind of start to glaze over, and I just start to think, oh, that's going to like take a serious hardcore grocery shopping trip like okay is there anything that i have everything already in the kitchen true see that's my ideal meal is that i have everything already so you're looking for even more simple <laughs> i'm, I'm so lazy no you know what it is it's not that i don't can't be bothered to go to the supermarket it's that there are a lot of things are difficult to find here right that in the states you could just sort of pick up in the you know the ethnic section or or whatever it's just not so easy here that's true and there are also things I remember from living in Rome that where they're very affordable in the United States or in other countries, 
they are extremely expensive in Rome. Yeah. The only one I can specifically remember off the top of my head was quinoa. Oh my gosh. Quinoa yeah. in Rome was like $10 for a little tiny box. Yeah. And here you can get a bunch of quinoa bulk for like six bucks. You can get a pound of it or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's different. It's very expensive. Also, black beans, if you like Mexican food which I do, black beans, a can of black beans at the imported black beans at, at the international supermarket is three dollars, three euros or something. And like in the States, it's like 50 right. cents. So yeah, yeah. It's so true. tortillas, all that stuff. If you want anything Asian, you can get it, but you really need to go to the Asian market. It can be a challenge, which is why I haven't done any of them yet but some of them are simpler and i'm going to try those first yes try the cacho pepe i'm going to well i mean i do kind of make cacho pepe i just don't know if i'm doing it exactly right i just sort of improvise yeah so we'll see uh, i'll check out nick's recipe and see how uh, how it compares to mine all right but anyway that's a side tangent thank you for the recipes keep them coming i will try them if not tiffany but the email that we want to do today has nothing to do with cooking at all. Nope. And I believe you have it in front of you. I do. And I will just put out there, this is slightly edited just for time, but hopefully the, uh, the content is all there. Hi, Katie and Tiffany. I wanted to share my story and why I find comfort in listening to both of you speak of your personal experiences as expats. For my whole life, I've dreamed of moving to Italy. My mother has family in Veneto, which I visited at least five or six times. In college, I had studied abroad for one semester in Urbino. I thought of going to grad school or taking off to work random jobs or teach English, but for one reason or another, it had never panned out for me. Part fear, part money issues, part love interest kept me from leaving my home. At some point, I did manage to teach ESL in South Korea. At another point, I lived in Thailand, so fear of travel is not my problem. However, I never did manage to live my dream in Italy. I am now turning 36 in February. I don't have kids, but I have a job I love as a textile designer in New York. For the first time in my life, I am doing what I love and getting paid for it. However, for the first time in my life, I am no longer tied down by someone. I constantly think of finally making that move. It's sort of how I get through the day. But at the same time, I feel like I can't give up the career I have finally built for myself. It took most of my adult life to get my current stable work situation and my rent-stabilized Brooklyn apartment for a country without any job prospects for me. Wondering if you can provide any advice for someone at my age who's dreamed of this my whole life. It goes on from there, and I'll read the second half in a minute, but... um, I want to talk sort of about, you know, the first half is more practical and then we'll get into the second half, which is a little bit deeper in a minute, but, um, I can totally get where she's coming from by this, by the way, this is from Darlene. I can totally get where you're coming from. Even though I, I moved to Rome when I was about 10 years younger than you and I did not have um, the career that you're talking about, I can still imagine what that is like. And I've talked to other people who are in similar situations, a close friend of mine, it's not an easy situation. It's really closer to Katie what you experienced when you decided to move to Rome because you did have a career that you loved and that you'd worked very hard for. Yeah, it was. It's almost eerily similar in a way because she's just about the same age as I was, if not exactly the same age. I can't remember. Thirty six years old. I think you were about thirty six. Yeah. Yeah, and I did have a job I loved, and I did not have anything that was tethering me to Seattle except for my job at that time. Like I had an apartment that I loved, but my landlord had told me I could sublet it for a year if I just wanted to take that time off. 
and go try it out. Maybe she could make this kind of arrangement too. I don't know what kind of a situation she's in, but some landlords are extremely reasonable if you've been with them long enough and you have been a very responsible tenant. My guy really trusted us to pick somebody who was good if we were going to sublet it out and not ruin his apartment because he knew how much we liked living there. But yeah, it was that one of those things where I had a betta fish that was still alive at the time. Um, <laughs> oh, Gil. No longer with us. But that was the only thing besides my job. But my job was not something small and insignificant. I had worked so hard and for so long to do that job well and to grow and change my position within the organization from being a producer to being a senior producer to being more of a host. All of those take years and incremental steps and learning and education and all this stuff. And I was sort of finally breaking through a little bit more out of the producing game, more into the hosting game. And uh, I had to choose to walk away from that at the time to go to Rome. And man, it was a hard decision. Derek would tell you that, you know, I whined, I cried, I kept changing my mind, you know. Uh, but in my heart, I knew that Rome would be an amazing experience. And I also knew I really wanted the break. But I just didn't know, does this mean I'm throwing my career away for good? That was the unknown. Now, it sounds for her, she's hoping to move and stay. I kind of thought, hey, if a way to stay comes about, that's great. But I also thought it was a year probably and that I'd be going back. And maybe it would be helpful to think of it just like that. You're going for a, a year and maybe then you can hold on to your job and take it as a sabbatical and hold on to your apartment. I would encourage you to explore that and you could still decide to stay. I agree. But, but at least you wouldn't feel like you were giving up everything. Exactly. If it didn't work out. Because I mean, the truth is you never know. You can move to a place that you've traveled to and loved and just not like living there full time. Yeah. So I think that's brilliant. But of course, we don't know her exact work situation, whether it's the type of job that would allow a sabbatical. But that's definitely something to look into. Yes. My job decided not to give me one. So I had to make that decision anyway, that I was going to go or not go. Okay, here's a big question for you. Do you feel like it was a, I don't want to say a mistake, but do you feel like, you know, the fears that you had about, quote unquote, losing your career, do you think that those were well-founded? Do you think that those followed, you know, that those came to be or... Do you think you're just, you know, you're just as well off as you were before? Uh, from a work standpoint, I'm probably not as stable as I was before, certainly. So I do think I gave up a lot of the stability. I gave up my insider status a little bit. But I mean, that said, I, I go back and forth. I It was a major decision to leave. Sometimes I still regret it. But on the whole, I don't regret it. Because I think that the skills that I picked up afterwards were so valuable. Like sometimes I feel like if I had just stayed in that job, it would have been great. I probably would have continued to grow. But would I have grown as exponentially as I did? That's what I don't know. I certainly wouldn't have met some of the people who have been the most influential in my life in the last five years because I, I ended up jumping careers in different ways that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I definitely became a better interviewer because of creating this show and from working at Town Hall Seattle, which was a performance venue in town where I, I did interviews on stage all the time. So I think for the idea of wanting to be a host, 
in some ways jumping out of the system, but still pursuing it made me a lot better at it than I would have been if I was continually working within the parameters of the job that I had. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it's fascinating. And I think that that's kind of the classic, what happens when people do challenge themselves themselves, and step out of their comfort zone. It's kind of a cliche, but it's a nice cliche that, you know, you step out of your comfort zone and you you grow and you learn and you you just, you can't even imagine, like you're sitting there in your cushy, comfortable job, predictable job that gives you all the stability and you know you're good at and people, you know, all the things that come with that and you give that up for the unknown and at the end of the day, you become way more than you were before. I mean, that's what obviously we want. Perhaps it doesn't always happen, but it's awesome that it happened for you. And I'm really happy to hear that. I I don't want to make it sound like it all works out too, because some of the ways that you get dinged is about ego more than anything. So I left a job where I was well established working for public radio in Seattle. I'd been there for well over 10 years, uh, if not longer. I, I, basically lose count. I believe I started there in 2003. People used to recognize you because of your voice. Like you, you'd, people would be like, oh, I know your voice, right? On the street. Yeah, certainly my name. And still, if I go to Seattle, I'm going to be in Seattle next weekend and I'll be on the air when I'm there. I, I'm a fill-in announcer for them. And people will call up my parents and talk about how much they heard me on the radio and how they always hear me, even though I'm hardly ever there. It's sort of memory and radio is very short. Uh, but... <laughs> That said, the station has grown exponentially since I left. So from an ego standpoint, there are so many people who work there now who have no idea who I am, mm. which from an ego standpoint, that's, you, you have to be able to take that. As far as they know, you have no experience at all, <laughs> even though you do. Or, you know, I just moved to San Francisco and on Friday night, I went to a podcaster's meetup at the local public radio station. And of course in podcasting, there's this huge range of people, people who are just starting working in radio and or in audio and people who have been doing it for decades and decades. And when you're at a meetup like that, it's just like this square playing field. Mm-hmm. That's just a really odd experience for me to be in a new city. Because normally I realized that when you're in a field where you're known in a city that knows you, you just walk into every meeting at an advantage. Just because I can say, oh, I'm Katie Sewell. Or I can say, hey, I know that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, and that guy because I've interviewed all of them in the span of my career. So it's like I never have to walk into a room alone. Mm. And now, as a result of moving to Rome, I do. So there's that too. And that's what I remember about the early days of Rome also. The majority of the time, it's just going to be you. Really, just thinking back, honestly, I know a lot more about you now than I knew when you moved to Rome, strangely enough, even though we'd already known each other for what... 25 years by that time. I really can't even imagine what it was like for you to go from that, what you just described, knowing everyone, being known by everyone, everyone knowing what you were capable of and going to a place where literally no one knew you, Mm -hmm. had any idea who you were. And even as you have talked about, really even noticed you. You know, you thought people probably didn't even notice you. Oh, yeah. For the majority, vast majority. <laughs> I don't think anybody know, what a on San shock. Francisco or Rebo what is going, what happened to that girl? You know, <laughs> I don't think people I, even noticed I am. There. I mean, technically, I'm not on San Francisco Repo anymore, but I was like, where's Katie? Every time I walked past your apartment, 
every time. I know. Till this day, even when I'm there, I think of you. But that's me. At the time, it was actually very freeing. But it comes with challenges because the way that you feel is going to go up and down. And that comes along with professional challenges. Mm-hmm. I think at the time when I moved to Rome, I needed to to not be known and to not know. I wanted the mystery and I wanted the discovery. I was tired of being in the know. And that's part of the reason why I moved here <laughs> in order New Orleans was because I wanted to not know everything for a while. But it is hard. I'm not going to lie. It, it's up and down. It's thrilling and it's hard. I bet. Now, getting back to Darlene. Yeah, textile artist. You could do that from Rome, right? <laughs> or from, from Italy, right? I'm not going to lie to you, Darlene. It is, as you already seem to know, it's not easy to start a career in Rome. It's very different from the United States in, in the whole job aspect. I feel in the U.S. and... Correct me if I'm wrong, literally, because I haven't lived there in a long time. And so I could be totally way off. But I feel like in the U.S., people, at least, at the very least, educated people, and I don't mean to be like classifying people based on privilege or anything, but for educated people, it seems to me that people leave their jobs because they know they can get another job, a better job. They get tired of a job and or they're not being challenged, or whatever it is. And they say, it's fine, it'll work out, I will find another job. And they do. Mm -hmm. It's different here. And I don't know whether it's people can't find other jobs, or whether it's people think they can't find other jobs, so they just don't leave their jobs. It's probably a combination of both. But it's considered to be very, very difficult to find work here. I don't want to downplay that, because... If you do love your job, I mean, it's it's such an important thing to love your job. It's such a rare thing to love your job. And I think that might be one of the most important things in life for a happy life. Can I ask you a question by way of example? Can we talk about how it is that you got your job? Was it extremely difficult? No, actually, it was not. But first, remind everybody what you do. Yeah, so I am the deputy editor of Where Rome magazine which is an English language magazine that is geared towards tourists who are in Rome. So it's only about Rome. It's about culture, art, shopping, dining, entertainment, all things that a tourist would be interested in in doing in Rome. It's not a guidebook. It's a monthly magazine, but it there's a bit of crossover there. And the people who run the magazine, their most important requisite, besides obviously being able to write, and knowing the city of Rome, is you have to be an English mother tongue speaker. No discussion on that. So what that did was that completely narrowed down the pool of possible applicants. I did not even see the ad for the job. My close friend did, and she wrote to me, and she uh, she told me about it. And so I applied. I mean, I got that job in the quote-unquote old-fashioned way. I mean, actually, no. I guess that's not the old-fashioned way in Italy. I got the job in the American way, applying for it and being qualified and, you know, having a good interview and all that stuff. The majority of the way people get jobs in Italy is through knowing people, uh, what they call raccomandazione, which sounds like recommendation. It sounds great, like what your, your teachers write for you on your college application, but that's not what it is in Italy. In Italy, it means that somebody 
you know, could be your father, it could be your uncle, it could be your father's best friend, it could be, you know, somebody, it could be your mom, it could be your somebody that wants you to succeed will get you in the back door, basically, whether you're qualified or not. And sometimes people are, but a lot of times they're not. And it's often favored, traded for a favor. So I might ask someone that I know to give my son a job and that I'm going to have to pay him back in some way. It's a little bit mafia-esque in that sense. Although it's, you know, I'm not talking about the actual mafia here, (laughs) just to be clear, just the same sort of philosophy of favors for favors. So this is how most people get their jobs. I mean, most, I don't know if it's most, but it's a lot of people who get desirable jobs anyway. And so when people have a job, often it's because of this, they don't want to give it up because they think I'm not going to ever get another job. So I don't want to go too into detail about this because we're here to talk about Darlene's situation and and people who might be in a similar situation to her, not, you know, the typical Italian person who's trying to get a job. But having said how difficult it is to get a job in Italy, I will also say that expats like myself, we have an advantage, English speaking expats. We have an advantage in some ways. And there are certain jobs that expats will be seen as desirable for. And one is obviously writing in English, but you know, there are others as well. So it's not impossible. It's just not going to be easy. And then of course, there's the whole documents thing. And can you work legally? In the long version of her email, she she wrote that she um, is trying to get EU citizenship through a grandparent. That's really, really difficult. And it can take about 10 years. I don't want to be like raining on anybody's parade because I am not about that. And I wouldn't allow, I mean, I didn't allow anyone to rain on my parade when I decided to move to Rome. It was like, whatever, I'm doing it. You guys can just watch me. (laughs) Um, I do think you should go into it with your eyes open. And if you have a job that you love, just consider that very, very strongly. If you think that you won't be able to get that back, if you decide it's not worth it and it doesn't work out, don't take that decision lightly. And I'm sure you aren't because I can tell by this email that you're not taking it lightly. But um but yeah, it's not it's not easy. Do you f- know or do you find that certain businesses, like if Where Rome had really, really wanted you and you were technically not able to work in Rome, like let's say you didn't have the proper documentation, but they really wanted you. People have stories about businesses writing on their behalf and making it so that they can work in a place. Is that something that you actually see happening? I do. I, I didn't happen for me. I, luckily, I already had documentation by that time, but I have a friend who is an English teacher, and this is kind of rare for English teachers because English teachers are kind of a dime a dozen in Italy, but she had worked for this English school teaching very young children, and she was very good at her work. She'd been, I think she'd been on a student visa for a while, but she wanted to be on an official work visa and the school sponsored her. And there's a lot of documentation involved, but um, it can be done. And they did it for her. And that's how she got her, her work papers, which she renewed until she eventually married an Italian. So now she doesn't need it, but it definitely uh, can be done. But it's not like some random company that doesn't know you is going to hire you unless you're extremely specialized in one very specific thing and nobody else can can do that job. You'd have to kind of have a past with a company for them to, to hire you. One last little thing. I don't know a lot about designing textiles, which is what Darlene does. 
But I think it's worth it to look into if that's the kind of thing that she could do remotely. I don't know how much she has to be in physical contact with the product or whether it's just, you know, her intellectual designs that she sends on. But some companies, especially in the States, where they're a little bit more open-minded about this kind of thing, I feel, they will, you know, if they value somebody enough, they will work with you if you really want to do something like that, if it's physically possible. Yeah. And what about staying for a longer period of time if it is? Do you mean like the legal aspects of it? Yeah. I mean, I was there for a year illegally. Mm -hmm. We've established that. Yeah. (laughs) And I was able to come and go a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. But still, it's, you know, that's the kind of thing that like you never want to give someone advice on because you never want to say, oh, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. They'll never check you. And then like they get deported and they come after you because you gave them that advice. (laughs) Right. So in general, you do need some way of legally being there. I mean, technically, yes. Um, I mean, if Derek hadn't been legal, I don't know how I would have gotten an apartment. Yeah. Well, certainly would have been a challenge. Exactly. I mean, I was able to do it, but that was 13 years ago. Things were different back then. It was easier. But there are always people renting out rooms. If you don't want your own full apartment, you can rent out a room from somebody and that's pretty easy. But um, it's just, it's hard and it brings up a whole load of other questions, which actually Darlene voices in the rest of this email. So one more question before we move on. Now that you've worked in the same job for, I don't know how many years, but quite a long time, Mm. have you gotten into that more Italian thinking? I mean, you've been in in Rome now for 13 years. Do you feel like you can't do what, what we do in the United States is, I think people very rarely just quit a job and then hope they find something else. What they do is like the monkey bar thing where you get another one and then you let go of the bar behind you. You know, it's sort of like Mm -hmm. that swinging forward thing. Are you to the point now where you feel like that's not possible or do you still feel like an American where you think that that is possible? I'm somewhere in between. I do think it's possible, but I will admit that some of that Italian thinking has crept in and I'm like, oh, my job is so, you know, it's so comfortable and, you know, it's so secure and it's this and that and I have all these perks and... And it's not, I'm going to be brutally honest here, it's not the most stimulating job that I've ever had. I mean, it is a job writing, which I am I'm very grateful for. And every day I have to remind myself, there are so many writers out there who would love to be paid to write. I do consider that a great blessing. But yeah, so I'm kind of, I don't know how to answer your question. I'm somewhere in between. Yeah. Well, I think since we're getting a little long in this episode, we should do the second half of her email in another one. But before we go, I just wonder, in the the realm of tips, say, you did things in a very scrappy, fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants way. Obviously, Darlene's in a little bit more of a position to plan if she was going to do this. It's something she's thought about a lot. Would there be things that you would, tips that you would give her of what to expect that you wish you had? Or um, if you don't want to go that direction give her things that she should think about in trying to make this decision? Maybe both. We should do both, maybe. I just broke the cardinal rule of interviewing right there. Never ask two questions in the same sentence. Yeah, because I've already forgotten them both. Um, Tips of what you wish you knew prior to going, expectation-wise, that would be helpful to her. Oh, God. Or to anybody planning a move to Italy. You know, it's so hard to say because I moved here so long ago that not only do I have a hard time remembering, but I just feel like the city, or at least the way that expats live in Rome has just changed so much. 
I just feel like it's so different to move to Rome as a foreigner now than it was 13 years ago. For good and for bad. Well, what are you seeing that's different now? I'm seeing that it's much more difficult to just sort of fly under the radar, at least long term. It's difficult at borders. It's more difficult doing things like getting apartments. People are a little bit more careful now, not wanting to rent to undocumented foreigners, possibly also in job situations where before you could kind of work under the table. Those things might not be so possible anymore. Better things are, I think there's a, a really great community of expats. And part of that is thanks to social media. It's so much easier to move anywhere in, in a foreign country now because all you have to have is a, you know, a Twitter account and an Instagram account. And you can kind of curate your own group of expat friends in your city before you even get there. <laughs> and they'll just be there. By the time, you know? And it's just something that was unheard of f- 10 years ago. So there are positives and negatives. As far as tips, it's hard. You can't look for a job before you go. Again, unless it's something very specific where, you know, you're being almost sent from your previous job to a new job. It's just, it's, when I've had to look for other writers for the magazine, anytime I got a a resume from someone who wasn't currently living in Rome, I just threw it away. I only considered people who were already here. So many people plan to move and then don't ever come. So they're not going to hire someone until they're there. So I would say don't bother looking for a job before you come unless it's something that is very connected with what you're already doing and you've got people recommending you, quote unquote. And the same is kind of true for apartments. I mean, set yourself up with maybe a temporary place before you come, an Airbnb or a sublet or something, but you're not going to find a long-term place until you're here. And you're not going to want to. I mean, you have to go and look at places. So those are two very practical tips. Hopefully they're helpful. Yeah, very helpful. Uh, Well, what would you, if you were in her position, what would you do? Oh, God, it's so hard. It's so hard. I mean, my life philosophy is kind of leap and the net will appear. If you want it bad enough, just make that leap and things will work out. It depends how much she wants it, really. It depends. I mean, she says it gets her through the day which makes me think it's something that she really, truly wants. And if she does, you know, she might regret it for the rest of her life. She has to weigh what's more important, the job that she loves or this dream. And no one can answer that but her. I can't, I don't know. I would probably have gone. I I think I would have gone. But that's me. The super cautious me, which is basically just me, says, (laughs) (laughs) says... That you should go for a while. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. Go try it out for three months or something. No, I would say a year. A year. Three months, you're not going to really well, get it. if she it's... can get the leave, I mean, which yeah. Americans don't get very much time off. So there's that issue. And we've already established through much of this show that you can learn a lot in a month. You can rule a place out in a month, but you cannot rule a place in in a month. That's what I learned in New Orleans. So I do think that going for more than a month would be best. But yeah, in a year, even in a year, at least in a year, you would start to feel like you sort of know what's going on and you have some friends. But if you can't do a year, maybe just go try planting yourself in one particular place in Italy for as long as you can and see if you can get slightly beyond whatever romantic notions you have just from visiting a place because it's so different to visit a place 
than to live in a place. Yes, and also newness, the newness of a place will wear off eventually. Unfortunately. And (laughs) yeah. And so you have to make sure that it's something that you truly, truly love. I mean, just like, you know, I kind of have equated it to dating someone, you know, you know, when you start dating someone new and it's all new and exciting and like, you just get so excited just to see their face. Eventually that kind of excitement, just seeing the person does wear off and you're left with either you truly love this person or mm, maybe you didn't love this person after all. So it happens the same thing with cities. I know for me, the love for Rome is real <laughs> because it's been 13 years and I still will like stop on the street and be like, oh my God, this place is so beautiful. I can't take it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel about it too. Yeah. But there are also a lot of negatives that come with Rome and Italy in general that, um, you know, that make life difficult there. I had a friend who retired to Rome little bit older than us um and she dreamed and dreamed and dreamed about it and she moved and she was in a totally different situation I mean she was out of work and finished with work um and she just had so many setbacks you know with bureaucracy and trying to get legal and trying to buy apartment versus renting an apartment and trying to get herself it was just too much for her. And she finally said, I can't do this anymore. I just don't. It's not worth it to me. So, you know, I don't know what the point is, but just um, take Katie's advice and give yourself a nice long trial period if, if you, can. you can. Yeah. All right. Well, we should leave it there. But next week, we'll get to the second half of... Darlene's email, which is much more existential and are the real head scratchers because they're the questions we ask about life. <laughs> At least I do all the time. Especially if you're an expat, you're asking yourself these things. Or especially, let's I should say, if you're dreaming of being an expat. Yes. So until next week, uh, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. My thanks to the recent donors to the show. Your support is the reason the show is continuing, and we still need more donors to step up to keep the show alive. So if you love the show, support it. Open your laptop, visit thebittersweetlife.net, and click the donate button on the right-hand side of the screen. If you give us your address, too, you'll get a handwritten thank you note in the mail. That's how important your donation is and how much we appreciate you. And my thanks to our intern, Estrella Gomez. Be sure to check her out at lacasablaga.com. And finally, if you'd be interested in sponsoring the show and reaching listeners all over the world, send us an email at thebittersweetlife.net. Thanks for everything, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>